We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're using the intersection of ADP and opportunity to identify running back values on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz. Glad to be back for another episode this week. I am recording this on Tuesday evening. Curtis right now is drafting in a Draft Sharks invitational. Uh, so I am taking this as an opportunity to revisit the topic that we went over last week of using the intersection of ADP. And in this case, opportunity at the running back position to find players that look like bargains or values uh, or players that look like they're being overpriced. Uh, I actually um, have been drafting in a, a another industry contest um, that started yesterday. Uh, you have four hours per pick. It's in what's called the Raz Bowl. Um, pretty fun tournament. Um it is part best ball, part roster management. Uh, so far, I've been sticking with some of the things that we've learned from our best ball tools. Um, and I am just absolutely enamored with my wide receiver crew on this team. Uh, C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, coupled with Kyler Murray at quarterback so far, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Chase Edmonds at running back, applying a lot of the research that we have found from the best ball tools that we do have into this specific contest, which maybe I'll talk about some more um, once that contest is finished and some of the interesting insights from it. I'm sure Curtis will have a breakdown for us also of the draft that he was in. I know some listeners don't love hearing about drafts, uh, but we think that it's important to get a sense of what's happening in some of these more plugged in leagues. And, um, you know, a lot of our listeners now are playing in more than their home leagues. They're playing in leagues that are similar. Uh, so I think getting ahead of some of these trends, seeing how things can shake out in these leagues is useful. Uh, but the thing I really wanted to talk about today um, are some running backs that um, I think 
look like good players to go after when I look at the expected workload that I see for them versus uh, where they are going in ADP. Now, today's FFPC stat attack is going to be on Mr. Derek Henry of the Tennessee Titans, who unfortunately had his season cut short at eight games last year. Uh, but in those games, he had an 182-yard game, an 113-game, 157-yard game, a 130-yard game, and a 143-yard game. Not to mention, in some of these contests, he actually eclipsed 50 yards as a wide receiver on the year. He was number one in PPR per game. He was number one in expected points per game in just eight games. He finished as number 10 among running backs in attempts, uh, number 18 in opportunities, and number 9 in rushing yards. Uh, I will mention Derrick Henry later. I just wanted to highlight that for today's FFPC stat attack is that's just such a ridiculous line. Absolutely ridiculous. So Derrick Henry has been in the league since 2016. Um, you know, there's probably some fear for those of you in dynasty leagues that at some point, um, you know, he might start to take the step back. I don't think it's going to be that season or excuse me. I don't think that it is going to be this season where we see that happen. So I'm expecting, you know, similar things this year. So Derek Henry remains a very exciting player. Uh, that is today's FFPC stat attack. Make sure to go over to myffpc.com, sign up for the main event, sign up for their best ball tournaments, uh, those Rotoviz, Triflex, Dynasty Leagues, and everything else they have going on there. Okay, so if you didn't check in last week, I talked about one of my favorite exercises in the offseason is to take a look at my projections and my projected workloads for players, because we know that opportunity and workload is very important in fantasy scoring. And I compare that with where players are going at ADP. And that can often allow us to find guys that uh, are being over or under drafted. Now this exercise is a better exercise for wide receivers as it's a lot easier to get projections that end up being closer to what actually happens. Um, this is obvious why at running back um, it can be so difficult to predict. Uh, so even with that in mind, you know, I really only look at the running back towards the top of ADP or towards the top of rankings because a player like, uh, I don't know, for example, well, Mark Ingram is a player we've talked a lot about and, you know, like looking at his or like a Daryl Henderson type of player, there could be huge swings in the opportunity they end up with based upon what would happen with, you know, the backs ahead of them. Or if you looked at somebody like Sony Michelle, it's really hard to say what the breakdown in Miami is going to be between Mostert, Edmonds and Michelle. Uh, whereas in comparison to a guy like, uh, I would say uh, David Montgomery, you probably have a much better or you you're able to feel more confident about your pro projection of what their work would like. Um, 
given what we've now seen for a couple of years in their offense and the players surrounding them there. So the first player that I have when I am doing this exercise with a pretty big disparity is J.K. Dobbins. So he's actually going with an ADP of 21. My projections actually get him to seventh in workload. Now, as we've talked about before, even though I'm doing my projections in what would feel like, you know, a baseline type of scenario, you're more or less assuming that all players are on a level playing field in terms of health. Um, because you're not going to be able to do things in a very comparative fashion or in a way that I think would make sense if you start trying to predict how many games a player might miss, um, you know, outside of a player that's heading into this into the year with an injury where there is some type of timetable that you can use. So I think with 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 fantasy managers this year, obviously there's this element of being somewhat concerned about J.K. Dobbins. Um, in the injury that he has had. But if you look at Baltimore, right, and you're thinking about the running back opportunity there, there is a ton of work. And my projection assumes that he gets a target share of just 9%, a rush share of 49%. Uh, and his total opportunity is driven by the fact that this team is going to rely on running backs a lot. And then you just layer on a decent target share uh, and it's easy to see why he could end up so high. So in 2020 in 16 games, he had a target share of 7% rushing share of 26%. It's kind of hard to extrapolate that to this year. Um, last year, there wasn't any back that recorded more than 28% of rushing attempts. So how confident do I feel that, there is uh, or that this disparity uh, makes sense or how confident do I feel that Dobbins actually hits that seven an opportunity? I wouldn't say that I feel super confident that he does, but I think that gap is worth taking into account um, because it's showing us that where Dobbins is going is probably a fair spot for him to be available in drafts. So I think that if you're somebody that is maybe looking to start off with a couple of wide receivers, maybe not go full zero running back Dobbins, I think becomes a very intriguing play when you consider that he's being drafted around. Let me quickly sort by ADP here. You have Dobbins going around guys like Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, um, AJ Dillon. Those are the four players that follow him in front of him, there's Zeke Elliott, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, David Montgomery. I could understand some of the cases that players might make for guys ahead of them, but I'm kind of framing this from the perspective of if you're waiting till that range of running back is on the board, I think Dobbins becomes a much more intriguing option to me based on some of those expectations than somebody like Antonio Gibson or Elijah Mitchell, where Elijah Mitchell, I think it's very difficult to have a sense of what you could expect from an opportunity standpoint. And I think some of that is getting baked in to the ADP. I would say that with Dobbins, I have less fear, or if I'm looking at that distribution of the range of outcomes, I think that things go more right, if you will, more often 
for Dobbins. Uh, but we do also see David Montgomery as a player on this list with a pretty favorable delta. So my projections get him to nine and some of this ninth among running backs. And some of this goes back to that. He is one of the few players which is always tough when you're looking at running backs that has this established role that we can read into. Um, let's just think about it like this though, right? I'm going to pull up my bears projection and we'll see that I have David Montgomery with a rushing share of 54% target share of 11%. Last year in 2021, he was at 65% in rushing and at a target share of 12%. Uh, in terms of the team's overall play volume, I haven't really made a major adjustment. So I think you're very, I feel decent about being able to come uh, in a pretty good approximation here of the workload projection. So him going at running back 20 versus the type of work you could expect. I think that's a Delta that should be paid attention to. Um, and if we think about how Montgomery did last year, and even if we account for a step back, I mean, Montgomery last year was 15 in PPR per game. In opportunity, he was 10. He was at 11 in expected points per game. But he had an extremely, extremely inefficient season last year. He came in at 118 among running backs inefficiency. The year before, he was at 35. Uh, he was at 128 again in 2019 the important thing to keep in mind is there's very few players where fantasy points over expectation are going to be sticky year to year this is kind of a stochastic type of thing um so it's very hard to predict but what's notable here is that even if he could go from 118 to 70 with an expected points per game rank of 11 there's a pretty good chance that he'd be able to return for you on that ADP of running back 20. Is Montgomery the most exciting player this year? No. But again, if I'm looking at, uh, you know, maybe somebody like Ezekiel Elliott or, uh, you know, Jacobs or Gibson, I think that I, I would rather get Montgomery in that area. So that was one of those names that stood out to me positively. Um, Behind them, we it's, you get into this tricky territory where there's just so many assumptions going in that I don't think it's great practice to draft off of this um, or let this be the deciding factor in you targeting these players. Um, I do have Sony Michelle slated in as the RB2 in Miami, in my opinion. This projects him well ahead of the ADP that we'd, he would have of running back 67. His opportunity gets him to somewhere around running back 46. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Matt Breida um, is another name that stands out in a player that I have been using very heavily at the end of best ball drafts. Uh, this is because if you're expecting, and I'm I'm probably higher on Saquon Barkley than most people this year, but if you think that there's going to be times where the Giants could need somebody to fill in, that's a good runway there for Breida to get some points. Uh, you know, also, if you look at the Giants' depth chart, I think it's possible that, you know, Breida needs to get some work here and there. Uh, but I don't want to focus too heavily on some of those lower-level players um, let's pop back up to some of the guys that uh, may be getting overdrafted. Oh, the final name I will mention. Um, actually, let me put this back by my projections just to give you a sense to um, in terms of opportunity. I have Jonathan Taylor at one, Derek Henry at two, Najee Harris at three, Saquon at four, McCaffrey at five, Mixon at six. Dobbins at seven, Cook at eight, Montgomery at nine, Kamara at 10, assuming he plays the whole year, Swift at uh, 11. Just wanted to give you that proxy there. And then Derek Henry, um, among those players, finishes with a delta of four positively, Barkley with a delta of five positively. Uh, But let's look at Austin Eckler. And I think this is one that uh, probably won't sit well with everyone listening my projections actually get Austin Eckler with a total opportunity that ranks 18th among running backs. His ADP of three leaves us with a delta of 15. So obviously that is a huge difference. And last year, Austin Eckler saw a ton of work, right? He finished uh, number six in opportunities, five in expected points per game. If you ask me if he finishes 18th um, this year, I would say he's not going to. What we're seeing here is an artifact of the projection process and this not being something that we should necessarily follow. 
or read into at the level where it's going to drive every decision that we make. But I think this is another thing that is noteworthy as you're thinking about somebody like Derrick Henry versus Austin Eckler. So last year, and I guess the first thing I will say is, is my play volume assumption for this team has them running uh, pretty similar to last year. I have a 47% rush share for Eckler, 13% target share. Last year, he had a rushing share of 52%, target share of 15%. So this is assuming that he sees a little less work this year than he did last year. Um, again, this is not to say that Eckler looks like a guy that should be going at 18, but if I compare him to some of these top other top level guys based on opportunity, um, I might lean the way of Henry a little bit more heavily. I know there's talks about Najee Harris potentially seeing his work scaled back a little bit. I don't know if I believe that as much though. You know, there's more reason to me to look at the players behind Eckler, especially the rookie in Spiller, being able to pick up some of that work than when you look at what is available behind Najee Harris. Last year, Harris saw a ton of work as well. Uh, and it's become pretty clear that I've been a big fan of Harris. Um, I know I will have to check in with Curtis because I believe that he's not as high on him as I am this year. Harris was one in opportunities last year, two in expected points per game. Despite playing in an offense that wasn't efficient, he still saw a lot of high quality touches. Um, you know, some of the stealing signals numbers that we looked at were very favorable for Harris just based upon that pure volume. Uh, and he also finished eighth in points per game was in that same range as Eckler was an RB one 59% of the time. If I'm comparing these two, and I think about those workloads, I'm going to lean a little bit more toward Harris. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Eckler this year. That's not what I'm trying to say, but of the top level running backs this year, if we're looking for some ways to break ties, he's one of the players I have the most concern with coming out of this exercise. Now, one player I was kind of surprised to see this Delta with you have Aaron Jones currently in this ADP is coming from FFPC drafts going an ADP of 10 versus a projected volume that puts him at 24. Now I could possibly be giving AJ Dillon more credit than uh, green Bay is going to want to give him this year. I have him, uh, or I have Jones with 44% of rushing attempts, 12% of targets last year. Aaron Jones had 43% of rushing attempts, 13% of targets. So it's a fairly similar split. The challenge, I think, is that Aaron Jones needs to remain um, pretty efficient at scoring touchdowns to approximate coming in at running back 10 this year. Uh, we have seen a, a decline in Jones' touchdown output uh, going back to 2019 now. Perhaps without Devontae Adams there this year, that does make the team a little bit less efficient. And we have fewer opportunities where Jones is able to punch in these touchdowns. Uh, and it is possible that A.J. Dillon at this point is able to outplay Aaron Jones. 
I still think, though, that Aaron Jones sees more of the work there overall. But it's starting to feel to me like that um, that Delta is one we should pay attention to here in the case of Jones. So if you're looking at players in that range and you're only drafting a couple of teams, I think I would end up straying away from Jones to some degree. Last year, he was 13th in PPR per game, 19th in opportunities, had an efficient year last year at 12 fantasy points over expectation per game. Now, the interesting thing is, I said that not many players can remain efficient. Aaron Jones is one of the outliers. So if you wanted to push back on me and say, well, you know, Jones has stayed towards the top. He's been efficient. He's going to continue to do it. You would have some evidence to support the fact that maybe he's an outlier. Actually, in 2017, he was at 15th in fantasy points over expectation per game. 2018, he was at four. 2019, he was at three. 2020, he was at 13. In 2021, last year, he was at 12. So that's actually really insane. That should have been today's stat attack because that is really wild. Uh, so I could get the pushback here. But um, again, this exercise is about finding players that perhaps are getting drafted a little bit too high or a little bit too late. And he definitely stands out here based upon that. Um, and the other player that is worth mentioning here, Nick Chubb, there's a delta of nine between his ADP of 13, his projected work of 2022. Um, this definitely could be swayed pending on what happens with Deshaun Watson. I think I could be a little bit low on Chubb's workload. Um, so let's explore the current projection that I have. You can kind of think about in your own mind if you agree with me or not here. So I have Chubb carrying 48% of the rushing attempts with 5% of targets Last year, he was at 47 uh, with a rushing share. Yeah, 47 and a target share of around five. So if you look at how he finished last year, which is probably the other piece of information you're wondering about here, and it's hard to say exactly what this offense could look like if there is that switch from Baker Mayfield to either Watson or Brissett. Uh, but last year, he was eighth in attempts, number 13 overall in opportunities, 21 in expected points per game, finished 12 in PPR per game, and was eight in fantasy points over expectation per game. So I think that where he is going from an ADP perspective this year aligns more so with what we saw last year than what things could look like if you're projecting forward to this year. But given the uncertainty, it's kind of hard to read into exactly what's going on. Would I be okay with you drafting Chubb at 13? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, but I did want to call this one out and highlight it as well so some other players maybe a little bit lower that i'd be somewhat concerned about uh rashad penny at rb 31 um and some of this again is an artifact of projections but i think in the case of seattle it's probably going to hold that we see this distribution of running back opportunity 
that doesn't concentrate heavily on any one back. And for the same reasons that we've been talking about Kenneth Walker being less attractive an option than he might seem, I think that holds for Rashad Penny as well. Um, other than that, I don't think that there were any notable players I saw in my opinion to come out of this exercise. So I think the major takeaways here though really are that J.K. Dobbins looks like a player that you can get a little bit later than he should be going, as well as David Montgomery. I would focus more on that than trying to fade um, Austin Eckler, but I do think that the the Aaron Jones highlight here is also noteworthy. So Curtis and I will be back later in the week. Uh, and another point will pop through tight ends. We don't do this exercise for quarterbacks, uh, but we will take a quick look at tight ends. Uh, and I know that Curtis and I are hoping to be able to um, do a draft for a type of league that isn't a best ball league yet. So we can talk about some of the adjustments we'll make as we go through that process. But uh, we will be back later in the week as always. Thanks for listening.